Hey, all return listeners and viewers. If you haven't already, please rate and review the show on whatever platform you're watching it on. It really helps other people find the show and lets me know what you love so I can do more of it. Thank you and enjoy this episode. There's a little bit of a different take on things. This is my good friend, Simon Mitchell, who lives in the country, Georgia. And today he is going to be interviewing me. Why, why am I interviewing you? I think because, so Simon and I have this long history of walking and talking through many different cities across the world and just the conversation is really rapid, quite intense, and neither of us really like take shit from the other. Yeah. So it's it's just, it's very authentic, <laughs> unfiltered. real, unfiltered conversation. Yeah, and I, I think for your audience especially, they a lot of times see you asking the questions rather than getting your perspective on things. But give us, yeah, give us the Skip Kelly story. Give us the overview of, I imagine most people don't know your journey. You've done 9 million different things is what it feels like. You always have a story for me. This one time you did this. But yeah, take people through the Skip Kelly journey. To summarize that, I'm going to kind of hit bullet points maybe. Yeah. Is when I was 18, I got hired as the right hand of a motivational speaker. That was an incredible experience. A lot of amazing things happened because of it. About a year and a half into it, he offered to set me up with my own gig and my own brand. And I said, no, somehow 19 year old Skip had the wisdom to say no to this. I mean, maybe it would have been a great trajectory, but I just thought to myself, like I'm telling all of his stories and I didn't have any experiences out in the world. So I wanted to go and get experiences. So I made it the goal of my life to go and get experiences so that I could someday have my own stories to share and tell and wisdoms and things like that and be able to speak from stage because that's what we were doing way back in the day, you know, 500,000, you know, usually youth. He was a youth leadership, education, motivational speaker, and it was incredible. And I just saw so many lives change instantly with his work that I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And then I just kept getting that inner guidance to having to go out into the world and like do what normal people would do so that I could come back to that and understand and have more compassion for all of them. And then from there, every great person I looked up to at the time, right, that were not friends, but they were just like idols, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, all the speakers, right, had always gone into either door-to-door sales or network marketing or some, some sort of 100% commission situation. And they said that sales was like the number one thing that if you could learn that, you would always buy yourself freedom. And so I said, cool, I'm going to find something that's 100% sales, but I didn't want to do door to door. So I was like, well, what's something I'm interested in that I could do with sales? And so I was like, oh, let me become a trainer and help people with their injuries. Because at this point, I had been about two years deep in my own injury journey and had learned a lot to help other people. So I got certified as a personal trainer through NASM and then found out that the only gym I was willing to work at was Lifetime. And you apparently needed a bachelor's degree at that point in time to work at them. So I applied at 47 lifetimes. I got interviewed at nine, rejected in the first interview at seven of those. And then I got a second interview with two, horribly failed one of the second parts of the interviews in one of them. And then the other one, the guy, I definitely horribly failed, but his name was Steve Toms. And he just had so much faith in me and my ability to grow that he offered me the job. And then a month later, I found out he actually didn't have the authority to offer me the job. So someone else had to re-interview me, but he had a lot of political and bureaucratic sway. So they ended up hiring me anyways, and I ended up being the worst person they've ever had for six months and couldn't sell anything. Yeah, tell, tell me about this, because you mentioned this to me the other day, that 
you were terrible at sales when you first started. You know, I, I, I don't think many young people, to give it some context, do what you did in I need to go sell. I think most people hear sales and they get scared. They, they have fear. They have doubt. <laughs> you were the opposite. You were like, I'm going to go sell. And it'd be easy to say, and then I crushed it. But at first you didn't. Not at all. Not at all. They gave me all the sales strategies, all the scripts, all the tactics. And I I just felt so bad using them. And I had this mindset of like, sales is bad and I'm taking their money. And like, you know, I just, I didn't have a lot of money. And one thing I know to be true about sales is the more money you have, the easier it is to sell, period, end of story. And I just didn't have that. I had no skills. But I also knew that that would change over time. And it just seemed like it was going to be a very slow slog through the mud. And it ended up not being. So for six months, I couldn't sell anything. And then they put me on what's called a performance improvement plan, which was basically a threat where they're like, if you don't sell this amount in a month, which was three and a half times what I had ever sold in a month, then you're fired. And when put up against a wall and under pressure, I performed really well. And I completely crushed the goal. Why? I think it was kind of like a, like make it or break it, like either prove yourself or lose. And I like if I had lost, it would have been okay. You know, I'm not going to yep. die. But I was like, well, there's, I, I really have to try. And it wasn't like I worked my face off in that month. I think it was just like, a, okay, I have to really like unload or open up my energy. And it's kind of like the feeling that I had going into those conversations was like, I'm, I suddenly switched my mindset from I'm taking their money to I have to provide so much value in the initial conversation in every session that they must tell their friends about me and they must buy the thing and they must think it's cheap because I gave so much value. And so it just changed the way I interacted with them. So I stopped using all the scripts. I stopped using all the formulas and I just said, like, how can I make it so easy and exciting for these people to purchase the packages that I'm selling. Yeah. So you crushed it at sales. You then unlocked that part about you of, oh, I'm successful at this now. And then I started paying for crazy amounts of training and education. So all the money I started making went right back into me learning. And I just started going to courses all the time. Where do you think that's come from? Because I think a lot of people watching your show may be interested in self-development in their own personal journey and their own personal growth. I, I find personally, most people go and do their own journey when pain hits, but it sounds like you had success and you were like, I want to go get more. Where do you think that came from? I think it was the intention going into it, right? Was to get experiences. So the, the financial success was not the, the outcome was not the goal to begin with. So there was, there was something deeper there and the deeper was the experiences. And I knew to get the experiences, I just had to keep trying things and I had to go deeper with everything. And so I think the come from was really different than most people. Yeah. And as I started to learn, I started to see how much I was changing people's lives like instantly. And this is where the whole dojo was born. Yeah. I started to see like while I was getting bullied by other trainers and by other corrective exercise people and doctors even and PTs about like the stuff that I was doing and trying and I knew could work, but I didn't have the skills yet to prove it, right? I knew it could work and I had seen it work on some people, but I wasn't super consistent with the results yet. And so people would bully me every time those results weren't super consistent. But at the same time, 
I'd have half a dozen or a dozen clients at any given moment that were having insane results. And so I just kept holding on to the fact that that was possible with everybody. What, what were you holding on to? What was that, that thought inside your head? What was the, the self-narrative? What was the story? In a world of you can't, you're not good enough being bullied in your words, how were you rising above that? You know, it's funny because I think Naruto had a lot to do with it because I was still watching it at that point and the character arc of that anime goes through this whole process as well. But it was just, I, I could see what was possible because I had seen the best in the world do it. And so I just knew that I would get to that level someday or I would get closer to that level. And so I just said like, I just have to come into every single session saying, I'm open to miracles. And I would have the clients be like, are you open to miracles? And if we're both open to miracles and we're both open to doing the work, it's going to happen, you know, at some point. And then it got more and more consistent over the years. And then I moved clubs and then I moved states and then I moved states again. And everywhere I would go, I would kind of work on 100 to 200 people, right? And have these like miracles occur and then teach them like why it was happening. And then I even started bringing these certifications to the areas that I lived in. And then I, the certification would show up and I would leave and move to another place just so there would be sort of like that idea was like impregnated in the area, if you will. And it could just spread through the community that that was possible, right? And I don't know why I kept moving. I just kept getting the, the pole to move. And that's like a whole separate thing I'm sure you're aware of is like yeah. every time you move and you have a new community, you re-identify. Yep. And it's so effortless to become the most advanced version of yourself or most evolved version of yourself when you move. And eventually... You know, I was just so good at this that I was like, I don't, I don't think I need like the company to help feed me at all anymore. Yep. It was still a hundred percent commission. And I just went off on my own with no plan, with very little savings. I think I had like four grand in savings and my bills were like 2,500 a month. So it was like, I had like a month yeah. of cushion. And in the first week that I left the company, I made more money in that week than I had made in a month ever before. And I was like, oh, and people were handing me cash which was really different and not cash that I'm running through the company, but like just like piles of cash. And I was like, that is so different. And it kind of comes back to that thing where it became successful. Cause I just, I set a precedent of like, it was unbelievable, right? A new client would come in and they're like, okay, I've been to physical therapy for years with this thing and Kairos and, and whatever they had been doing, which maybe had helped them maintain. And my promise was, you will only pay me if it works and it's going to work today. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> and then when it would work and when it would happen, I'd say, okay, you never have to see me again. But if you want to, and you want to just keep progressing, you know, from peace to power, then we can do that. And I would, the most fun clients, I would continue to see them indefinitely to the point where I still talk to a lot of them today, even though I, I don't work with them. I love that. And kind of following what you talked about moving and impact. When I first met you, I think the first time I met you, you had a camera about this far from my face. I'm sure many people have had that experience. But you were this media guy. Before that, you were healing, training. You've done so many different things. But you've always seemed to, in the same way of moving places and physical locations, there always seems to have been a plan as to who you're becoming and how you're growing. What is it that you think has fueled that growth or, or perhaps, yeah, what have you learned on that journey of moving from so many different careers and cities and countries to become the person you are today? 
it's possible that there's no grand plan in like the universe or in life. It's totally possible. And it's totally possible that it's all perfect and it was worked out way ahead of time. And one of my big theories about life is like you can't mess anything up. Like there's no decision that you could make that's wrong. I, I just think like it's, you know, it's like destiny or fate, if you will. But like you can either see it as like nothing ever works out for you or everything always works out for you. And I can see all the bad, terrible things and focus on that. Or I can see all the great, beautiful things and focus on that. And both are true. And so if I have a choice, I'll recognize the bad and terrible things, which has been a more recent lesson in this last couple of years. And also, I'm going to keep 90% of my focus on all the beautiful, incredible things that have happened that could happen that are happening in this moment, right? I love that. Talk to me about the tactics of that as well, because I've seen you go, I'm going to go be a media guy. It's all, it all really intentional, right? So yeah. the come from has always been to have incredible experiences and to... I guess really just that actually, just to have incredible experiences. And so when I got really good at the healing stuff and I learned that anyone could do it to themselves, I started making content about that. And the content was so bad that like, even my mom was like, it's kind of painful to watch it. And my mom's an angel. So for her to say that it's like, that's rough, right? Like no one watched the content. And then I got really inspired by Casey Neistat, who was a vlogger. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do 55 days or two months of vlogs every single day. I think I originally said seven days and then I just really enjoyed it. So I just kept going and I ended up doing 55 days in a row while doing the healing business, while starting uh, the network marketing business. And while all of that was happening, I was up till, you know, 1am, 2am, 3am most days, like editing the vlogs and putting them out. And they were terrible, right? Like very, very few people watched them. And the ones that did were like, this is atrocious. Like literally those are the comments on the videos. It was really funny. I got triggered several times. And so that was an early induction into um, online media hate. And through all that, I just decided like, I don't want to do this like time for money thing. Not because of time for money, but because it was very draining on my energy to do this like healing stuff. And I just was like, I don't know where I go from here. And I, I have all these great mentors, but I don't know where I go from here. And so I said, I'm super lonely, number one, at that time. I was a successful, uh, financially successful entrepreneur. Um, number two, I didn't know where to go with business or how to get better at it. I bought online courses, but I just had no direction, right? And then number three, I'd always wanted to go to like Mount Everest and I had the cash to do so. So I was like, okay, one of these three things is going to happen this summer of 2017, and it was either Mind Valley University to try to make friends that were like me, Mount Everest, right? Just to have an epic life experience or global, um, I forget what it was called at the time, Global Solutions Program for Singularity University, something like that. I got accepted into this biz business accelerator thing. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I don't know why they accepted me. I've just been really charming, I guess. And I ended up saying like the loneliness was the biggest thing. So I went to Mind Valley U and my entire life, radically transformed you know day one in line to register i met resh and resh and i became like best friends that month and i met so many incredible people that i just resonated with tremendously and ended up hanging out with vision a lot and eric strauss and that just led me down this whole path of of having these epic friends that were doing incredible things 
that I could see them doing and talk about doing. Yeah, yeah. So that, that really changed everything. And then I ended up traveling the world for like two to three years doing full-time media work because the content I was putting out about Mind Valley and about all these people's programs was doing really well. And then I got better and better at understanding why content would perform and why it wouldn't perform, how to use it for business and not just for play or fun. And through all of that, I was like, ah, I see where this is going. Like now I'm going to be able to come back and really do this. And that's why Wondersoul is what it is right now. And what it's going to be is that deeper understanding of media context from like a CEO's perspective of hanging out with all of these incredible CEOs that really do leverage content. But it was interesting because even they don't really understand content, but they, they have teams that put out so much volume. So it's been really a cool journey to understand how to like kind of be like a sniper with content and what really works. Nice. Still figuring that out. Yeah, and we'll definitely touch on Wondersoul. But one thing I, that you just mentioned then, you're in a lonely place. Yet today, the skip that I've got to know will make friends with the, the barista, will make friends with the cashier for for a significant amount of time, like way more than the average person getting a coffee. Hey, how's your day? It's fine. For you today, it seems like every connection is an opportunity to to build a relationship. What changed for you? How did you get to that place? I've always been the person that would talk to like the barista and the waiter and the waitress and like get to know them, especially on the days where I was like just so filled up with energy, which is a lot of days, right? The difference was the depth of that connection. Like how deep would I go with the barista or with the Whole Foods cashier? And it, it wasn't that deep. So while I would get to know them, I'd really, I'd, I was craving someone to like understand like my weaknesses, my vulnerabilities, uh, my challenges. And if I went to this barista and I was like, hey, I'm making, you know, 20K a month, but um, I have like no one to talk to about it, you know, and I don't know what I want to do with my life going forward. They would just be like, what? Like, go party, you know, take a vacation to Hawaii. And like that, I'm empty though. That that's, that's an emptying thing. So I had to find some new purpose, some greater thing to work towards. So I sort of had accidental success, right? In that regard, I, had, I hadn't prepared. How, how did you find that purpose? Because I think what you just hit on there is is a challenge for many people around the world. They have an area of life, whether it's health or financial or even relationship success, but there's that disconnect, that empty feeling inside. How did you then, you, you've ticked the financial goal, you've proven to yourself you can achieve business success. How did you then go and discover that purpose? You know, it's, it's interesting that you ask it in that way, discover that purpose, because what ultimately comes around for everybody that I've spoken to is your purpose is something that's always been there. And if anything, you're not, you shouldn't really, I mean, totally go out to seek it because it's all perfect and whatever you feel like you need to do is going to be fine for you. For me, it was really coming back to what had I always done? What had always filled me up? What were my greatest memories? What were the things that always made me proud of me? Right. What were the things that when I would think back on it, I like couldn't help smiling. And I'm just like, wow, that was a joyous moment. And as I uncovered that way, way back in the day, I mean, all the way back to when I was like four or five, like I remember being at daycare with like Chris and all of the other kids. And I remember there's like 20, 30 kids at this daycare. And I remember organizing them to play like games. And I was like the youngest kid at the daycare, but I'd be organizing this whole little army of children 
And I'd be like, okay, you're playing the mom dog and you're playing the dad dog. And I'm going to be like the young puppy. And, and I would tell everyone what their role was. And then we would play the game. And I was like, I have such a fear of like responsibility and commitment at this time when I was really seeking out, seeking my purpose, right? And as I started to notice in like meetings and whatnot, when people would turn to me to kind of get a solution or get, and these are like, I would go into these board meetings, these C-level executives, and they would all be like, what does Skip think? And I'm like, what? No, not me. Don't ask me. And I'd be like, well, what do I think? And then I would like say the answer and they're like, that's genius. And I'm like, what? No, it's not. That's just like normal. And it's this process of uncovering and just allowing whatever the wisdom that is in you to come out, right? And everyone's got their thing and pretty much everyone has blinders to what their genius is, right? They, it's so normal. It's relative to you. You've always had it. So you never know that it's different until you're surrounded by people that are number one, supporting you and encouraging you, maybe challenging you, right? And you're in a situation where you have enough confidence to speak up and you've had some experiences to prove that the thing that you're about to say could actually work. So now the deeper and deeper I get into these worlds of media, into the worlds of events, into the worlds of the dojo even, all of this stuff, the podcasting world, I'm like, there's deep intuitions there and knowings that I've had, but I have to test them first. Like, I feel I'm not willing to say it out loud until I have like, here's a bunch of proof that those things I was thinking would work do work really well. And here's what I think is going to work even better. And I just keep testing. And then I feel more and more confident over the years to speak up. And I think that'll be true for most people is just, you got to get around those people that want the best for you and will push you to be your best. Um, but not necessarily hold that expectation or that standard for you, but allow you to rise to it. And I think we do that really well. Like yeah. there's definitely support. There's definitely encouragement and there's some challenge, right? But we're in different categories of life, like different businesses. So the challenge is, is mediated in some extent, where if we were in the same business, the challenge would be way more intense, I think. For sure. And, and how do you think, because I think you're very intentional. One of the things I admire about you the most is the the peer group group that you curate, not create, right? That you very consciously will seek out a wide variety of personalities, a wide variety of skills, a wide variety of financial success, health success, relationships, spiritual success. How do you think you one got to that stage? And then how do you think others can go do the same as well? First thing I'll say there is I feel at times deeply undeserving of the incredible peer group that I have. You know, I all get messages in the middle of the night from people that I'm like, is that, are they really messaging me right now? And it's like, what's up? And I'm just flabbergasted that I have the peer group that I have. So I'll start with that. But that was very purposeful. It's not by accident. It's a little bit of both, okay. right? It's like purposeful, not knowing that it would become what it is now yeah. and what it's becoming even more of, right? I mean, even when we look at the Wonder Soul Festival that's coming and the just the main stage speakers that are coming and even the breakout room speakers, I'm like, wow, they all agreed to come and do this event. Like, that's just insane to me. Like, these are incredible, incredible people. So as far as building a community and building like a peer group, number one, there's a big difference between a desire and a knowing. Desire is like, I want a G-Wagon or I want something fancy because it's going to like fill something inside of me. A knowing is like, 
gosh, I, I really feel like I'm supposed to have this thing and I'm not really sure why. And, and like, I do want it, but not as much as I feel about it. Right. So when I first saw like a Telluride, like the car that I have now, I was walking in a gym parking lot with a friend and I saw the car and I was just like, it just stopped me in my tracks. And I was not thinking about getting a car, but I saw it and I was like, whoa, I have like a weird feeling with this car. And I had no idea what it was. I'd never heard of a Telluride before. And, you know, six months later, I owned one. And it just, it happened so effortlessly. And so that's what the feeling of a knowing is like. Or as another example, when I put together my list at one point, and this is a good exercise for anybody to do, I put together a list of 25 individuals that were doing great work in the world. And I was like, I want to meet them. I want to help them in some way. I want to be of insane value to them, which I had learned early on in my sales days. And the first number one person was Vishen Lakhiani, the founder of Mind Valley, and I, I couldn't explain to you why. I hadn't done a lot of research on Mind Valley. I hadn't gone to any programs. I had taken zero courses, but he came out with Code of the Extraordinary Mind, which apparently that book was not like super well received in the beginning. I loved it, yeah. and it, you know, I devoured that book in like one or two days. And from reading that, I was like, man, I just I really resonate with the way he says things and how he's put this together, and I just feel very called like a knowing that I wanted to learn more from him and connect with him in some way. And not to say personally, like I went to his event and I refused to go in line and get my book signed so much so that Chris, my brother went and got a book and got it signed and brought it to me because he knew I really wanted it. But I was like, I refuse to be that person who's going to go in line just to get a picture with him or whatever, or even just to shake his hand. I was like, no, I'm going to make sure someday he's going to come to me. And that, that was my own like knowing, right? So making that list of who you really value and appreciate or look up to in the world or idolize and why. And a lot of people say like you shouldn't idolize people or put them on pedestals. I disagree. I think it's wonderful to put people on pedestals. And to be fair, most of the people I've pedestaled over the years, including Vision, are still there. I know him very well. And I still think he is just a God among men. Like I'm so impressed with his ups, with his downs, with his highs and his lows. I think the way he's handled it has been like a champion. And I guess I kind of expected that from him. And I think that might be part of the reason a lot of people like being around me is because they know I see the greatness in them. And they also know that even if they're not there, I still see it. And I'm, I'm just here for it, for whatever is showing up for them. And I've had that reflected to me often because I, I see like... People going through a struggle is not a bad thing. I think people going through a struggle but not showing it, that's rough. That's much rougher. I have so much more respect for the person who will cry, who will get angry, not take it out on everyone around them, but just to allow themselves to be in it. I think that's a beautiful place to be. So making that list of people that you idolize and respect, listing why you idolize and respect them, and knowing that they're also human just like you, and we all are flossom like Marissa Pierce says. And she's another one with a lot of funny stories about all of that too. And I have so much more, so much more respect for her now that I know her as a close friend than I ever did with her as like a, a famous author, right? She's just incredible. And then just delivering massive value, you know, to your peer group. And at least for me, like not asking anything in return, you know, like, it's amazing because when you get around people like that, they've done the same thing. They are constantly saying, how can I give massive value to everyone around me and not ask for anything in return? 
And when you get around the right people, that's like an unending circle of giving that everyone is in. So you are constantly receiving from them. And to the point where, like me, like I will thrust receiving upon people. Like Simon and I fight over <laughs> who's going to pay physically, for things. Physically, physically fight, fight over things, right? And this is very common in my peer group. So it's like, how can you, at least for me, that's what sounds ideal. And I don't think that's ideal for everyone. I don't, I don't know what happens in other people's minds or hearts. But for me, that's the ideal. It's like, how can we all be like super givers? And there's lessons to be learned with that, right? Because then... Maybe maybe some people are not super givers and you you have to learn boundaries and you have to learn how to set expectations and, and say things out loud. And that's challenging for me, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to touch on that because I think you talked about the struggles of life and how people deal with that, but also setting boundaries and sometimes giving so much in it perhaps being taken advantage of or being taken for granted, which I, I think everyone has to learn at some point in life, you know, where are those boundaries for themselves? I've seen you, like I said earlier, you know, travel the world, live in, you know, we've hung out in lots of different countries. I've also seen you go through some struggles. And I think those have probably grown you more than the, the accolades, the standing on stages, the, the hundreds of thousands of views, those moments where you've been in the, the, in the shit, right? Like in those moments of pain and suffering, yet you've always had this incredible ability to to embrace it, to embody it, to feel it. Yeah, can you perhaps talk about that or, or in those moments, how you've managed to continuously evolve and grow? Because I think in most situations for most people, I know in previous times in my life, that's just been a time to pull back and withdraw versus that, that feel and grow. Yeah, you know, something very practical to maybe give this a visual and, and help people understand is like what I'm doing right now with training handstands. So for me, when it comes to like growth or challenge in your life and, and becoming even more you becoming even more whole, right? If that's what we'll call it. Like that's what I think growth and challenge is all about. Kind of going back to like purpose, like we mentioned earlier is like, it's not really discovering it. It's really like, taking the armor off, uncovering it from the ways we've covered it over the years, things like that, at least is what's been my experience with it. When you're training handstands, like I have friends that when they go up into a handstand position, it's perfect. Like from the from day one, they're like their alignment is great. Their shoulders are super flexible. Their abdomen is strong enough to like hold their core in place. They can point their feet really well. Like they could do all of the things necessary. They're just learning how to balance. And they're like, oh, that's really cool. Like, no big deal. And they're like, you know, not necessarily that motivated to like practice. Where like yesterday I did two and a half hours and I was really tired. Really tired. I went to the gym and I was, found myself doing it for two and a half hours because I have not had the shoulder flexibility to be able to do the handstands. Because I had those five ruptured discs when I was 18 in that soccer accident. Because my hips have been restricted to range of motion ever since. Not to the point where it affected my life in any major way, but as soon as I started trying to do handstands, it was a really extreme thing to be able to do. And I, I didn't really know that going into it, but it was so hard for me. I mean, from day one, like when I went to go do handstands, I didn't realize, because again, it was relative, I didn't realize how hard it was for me until I saw other people try it. And then I saw how easy it was for them. You know, and then Kyle the other day, he's like, I haven't practiced in a week and a half. And he goes up and like can generally hold it. I mean, sloppy, but he can hold it. 
And I'm like, wow, it's so easy for all these people to do it. And it's so hard for me to do it. And because of that, here I am putting in at least an hour a day, every day, training this the so mobility. So much more than an hour. A like, lot of the times more than an hour. Yeah. And, and finding myself like waking up in the morning so sore and so beat up while building all the businesses, while doing my regular fitness routines, like all of these things, right? And I think about what's the long-term impact of these types of things in life? Like if it was easy, lots of things I've learned have been really, really easy, right? Um, when I ran my first marathon, I didn't train for it. You know, I ran like a 5K to prep and then I ran the marathon. So like how much education really was there in running that marathon, right? I did run it in toe shoes, which was funny. But the handstands, the amount of things I've learned about handstands and even about myself in life, like the other day, because of the handstands, I suddenly realized like I've always considered myself someone that picks up things really quickly, really easily. Not true. Not true. I do a stupid amount of volume always. I didn't put that together until the other day because Kyle like just did a few and he was getting it. I was like, wow, I've, I'm doing 50 reps a day for like two months. But you are a persistent motherfucker, right? There's no other word for it. Extremely. Like, we'll be walking along the street and you'll see a pillar and just go into a handstand. Yes. I actually did some when I picked up our coffee this morning. Like obsessive yeah. to the point of, you know, I want to master this. I want to grow. I want to learn. I think that's pretty unique. So it isn't, it isn't. And here's the secret, right? There are so many things that I've been somewhat interested in trying that I will try for like a day or a week or a month, right? And then there's some things where I can feel, and now the older I get, the more I recognize the energy of it. And everyone has this, where it's, again, it's that knowing. Like when I saw Lynn doing handstands the first time and how it inspired me in such a way. And I've seen a lot of incredible athletes do things that didn't inspire me like this. And I was just like, whoa, I really want to do that. Like I, like my whole body started like vibrating, watching it. And to me, the body does not live now, right? Or rather it's now is large because we know that time and space are not the governing rules of physics and reality. We don't know what the governing rules are, but we know that those are not it. And so one of the things that we talk about in the dojo as just a thought experiment is that the body lives in sort of a forever time. Like from the moment you're born to the moment you're dead, the body is experiencing those energies at all times. Your mind is here in the present moment or sometimes wandering to the past and sometimes dreaming about the future, right? And living in whatever space you're in with the mind. And then the soul, of course, is like potentially infinite. I'm not sure. The body knows the things that are going to happen before they happen. That's why when you meet a certain person and you have like a certain response over time, you can sort of create, we call it a body map in the dojo, but you can create sort of a soul map of like, what does my body feel like? What did it feel like when I met my last intimate partner that I was with for a year or two years? What was that feeling? And then next time I feel that feeling I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. That's about to happen again. And then it does. And you can sort of trace these things. So that handstands, I was like, I was so grateful as soon as I felt that energy of like that intensity of how much my body wanted it. I was like, yes, let's go. I'm going to commit. So it's not that I am this person that drives or am persistent. It's the recognition 
of where my energy wants to go and just allowing that energy to run really hard. And sometimes it makes no sense. Like why, why would I be doing handstands for two hours a day? There's so many other things I'd be doing with two hours of the day, but it fills me up with so much joy. Like I want to start doing it right now. Like I, I kind of want to put the headphones off and just start doing handstands because that's, and, but I've just, I found that crease, yeah. right? That, that place. And I think all of us can find that feeling with things and you found it before, right? 100%. There's certain things where you're like, that just resonates so deeply that I must do it. Okay. You mentioned the the C word that commit, you know, healing wonder soul dojo has been an incredible journey to, to watch in the period I've known you, but it's been a forever real journey for you. What's the, what's the present? What's the future of, of dojo of wonder soul? Where do you see that going? Well, wonder soul is going to be a global brand right? With many, many, many things underneath it. Right now, it's the digital dojo programs. It's the live events, which is now the festivals. And it's the podcast currently. I do also have like that podcast production arm that's kind of, it's happening, but I don't know. It's I'm not feeling the groove there yet where I want to really pull it, but it's been a really fascinating discovery process doing that. And of course, media in film is going to be a big part of it. So I've already got the idea of a documentary what does it look like to make what does it make what does it look like to make a 90 minute skip kelly vlog like an experiential video that teaches but really brings you into a journey an adventure right so we set up some sort of predetermined adventure with these incredible wise people probably people who have been on this show right and we say we're going to take a 30 day 60 day a 90 day trip around the world doing all of these really extreme things And if I know anything to be true, it's that when you do extreme physical challenges, really, really great lessons come out of it for everyone involved. And when you put really incredible people in those situations, the wisdom that comes out is is infinite, right? Ageless, if you will. So from the dojo perspective, we've got currently the online course, currently the cohort. It's incredible, right? The cohort's like essentially a guarantee where it's like, if you sign up for that and you have some sort of an injury or an ache or you're just trying to live a more beautiful life and trying to feel that like soul map or trying to really tune into the vibrations of your body, like you will absolutely get that, right? And then the course teaches you all that stuff, but doesn't necessarily guarantee it because it's self-paced. And then we've got some other programs we're looking at rolling out, right? With Samson and Breathe Your Soul Alive. So like a breathwork course with a lot of this, his kind of like shamanic influence and all of that. So potentially designing something there and then having... Maybe other people come in and design these experiential programs that really transform people's lives. Again, helping them become even more perfect, even more whole. Yeah, let, let me just touch on that. Sorry to cut you off. You you talked there about almost a guarantee with the cohort. You know, I, I've seen significant numbers of people now come to you with, with pains, with aches, with chronic injuries, and have a f- totally different experience than what they would have going to a traditional therapist or going to, you know, yoga or CrossFit or all these other modalities. I remember when the first time I came to do dojo, I was really worried about what you were going to have me do. You know, I was slightly hungover, which didn't help, you know, slightly is an understatement. Um, but it's a, it's a very unique experience. It's a very unique modality. And you always say to me, you know, your body is perfect. You always say to everybody at class, where does that, what's that rooted in? Where does that come from? 
the body is the most advanced piece of technology in the universe that we're aware of right now. So tell me more. We don't understand how this thing works. Not really. We understand aspects of it. We've done like plenty of scientific method testing, but you know, you take a thousand people and you test something with them. Not everyone's going to have the same response ever with anything with the human body. Cause it's just that crazy and that unique. And there's so much more going on than we're aware of. Right. You've got, you've literally got an electromagnetic field inside and around your body. Right. Even within blood, there's things we have no idea what they are. We don't know what they do. There's just so much going on. It's such an advanced piece of tech. You're talking like trillions of calculations every minute. We don't know how to, we don't know how to interpret that. And so at one point on that journey where I was helping people with their things, with their injuries, whether it was like decreasing the pain of an injury or increasing the performance of like a CrossFit athlete, right? It's the same thing. It's the same gradient. We're moving you towards power, right? Whether you're in a place of pain to peace or peace to power, it's the same thing. We're just sliding that dial along the gradient. And what I came from was okay someone's got this asymmetry that must be resolved which means that asymmetry is bad which means that the muscles that are tight that are creating that asymmetry must be looser right if only it were that simple (laughs) if only right but that would be an equivalent to saying i take a blood pressure medication lowers my blood pressure said person has a stroke right is very common, super common thing. When that happens, what's the fault of that? Is it their bad diet? Is it the blood pressure medication? Like, I don't know. It's it's all, a little bit of all of it potentially, right? I'm not a doctor. Don't pretend to play one on the internet. But what I know to be true about the body is that I don't understand and no one understands fully. No one has the whole picture. And so when I started switching from this thing is doing it wrong to it's the most advanced piece of tech in the universe. I'm going to assume that it's right. And let me see what I can do to help it. If, if this thing can solve anything, which I have seen so many times, crazy things happen near instantly, then how can I just help it do that? If it's got that capability, I don't have that power. It has that power. What can we do to help it? And as soon as I made that shift and said, okay, this person has this asymmetry where their hip, hip is tilted, And instead of saying like, that's wrong and that that tight muscle needs to be loose, I'm saying, well, why might it think that that's a good idea? Why might the body be tilting that hip on purpose? Maybe it's because they're not like absorbing shock very well in that foot on that side. Oh, they're flat footed. Oh, they haven't always been flat footed. Oh, they wear orthotics. That changes the way that they move. Oh, and they have this weird shoulder injury on the opposite side. Hmm. Let me go and see if there's a way to discover what are the things in their body that are not doing very well. Because what I found is like, if you had five cleaners come to clean this house and two of them had grilled cheese sandwiches and they were just throwing stuff everywhere and not helping, and three of them were doing all the work and cleaning up after the two that were messing it up, then the three that are doing extra work are the ones that complain to you, not the two that are messing everything up because they don't want you to know. So in the body, I've discovered it's much the same. It's like the things that are causing you pain or injury or the things that are cramping if you're in a performance um, goal, those are the things that are working really well. So we've got to find the grilled cheese people. Where are those cleaners that are messing everything up? And so I created a system to teach people how to find the grilled cheese cleaners. And once you find them, you help them. Because unfortunately, you can't fire them. They're not 
going to leave you ever. Your body is your body. So you've got to learn how to help them. It's kind of like we were having that conversation earlier around employees versus kids. Like kids is a great thing. And one of the reasons is it's a lot like the body. Like you're not going to get rid of them. You know, they're with you forever. Therefore, you must grow. Therefore, you must figure the situation out. Therefore, like this must resolve in love. And that's why kids are such a beautiful experience is like you are forced to come to a place of love no matter what both sides are or your lives will be really tough. And sometimes it is tough for like days or even weeks, but eventually, you know, hopefully you come to a place of love. And I think that's what, you know, maybe being a good parent is about, but I wouldn't know. So much the same that I think your body is perfect. You know, the whole thing of wonder soul and the mission, the message is your life is perfect. And to see it that same way, if there's something that's like leaking, right? Or something that's giving you pain or cramping. So for instance, like you find yourself being very angry. Like some days I find myself being very angry. Like I just have anger that day. Or like yesterday, I felt very stuck. I felt very like I'm just torn between so many things and I, I overcommitted. I skipped two things yesterday. I had three things scheduled. I skipped two of them, right? On a Saturday. And I just Sounds felt perfect. like that. Yeah, it was great. So what I ended up noticing was I ended up stopping what I was doing, putting on big headphones, putting on some beautiful music and dojoing. And when I dojo, it's really to just tune into my body and say like, what's really happening? Why do I feel so, right? Just like in resistance. And what I realized is I have a lot of fear in in this moment, in this week, and all the things that I'm doing right now, taking on these really big things for me, right? Relatively speaking. And when you have those moments where you've got that stuck energy, sometimes the best thing to do is either to talk to a friend, right? Go for a walk, move the energy. And when you're ready, sit down and be with it. And once I was with it, tears came out, fears came out. And then they only last, like Kai Van Bodhi says, seconds to minutes. As soon as you're there with it and you just say like, okay, I'm scared. That's great. That's great that I'm scared. That's part of the human experience. It's just like my muscle cramping. That's fine. Great. I'm glad you're helping me, right? And it was only causing issues in my life and causing like that ahness when I was trying to ignore it, when I was trying to not feel it, when I was trying to play whack-a-mole, like, oh, I feel bad. I'm going to feel happy. Oh, I feel sad. I'm going to feel happy. Like that's what's going to create the resistance where you say like, oh, I'm sad. Why am I sad? Oh, I'm really sad because of that. Mm, yeah, I am really sad. And then like two minutes later, you're like, oh, I'm happy now. Okay. But I didn't try to get happy. Yeah. I just leaned into the sadness. And so Wonder Soul is your life is perfect. So it's like how many different businesses, modalities, and events, and just ways, languages, how many things can I do to help people see that for themselves? Yeah. And with that, one thing I love is you want people to be able to empower themselves. You want people to be able to teach themselves. You know, I've been uh, all over the world, lots of different programs, modalities, therapies, and it's always about this person does something to you. One thing I love about Dojo is no, we're gonna we're gonna empower you. Maybe from the outside, a bad business decision. You know, the person only needs to come once versus hundreds of times. Why is that? We got 7.8 billion people or so to get on the train. We got to we got to keep moving. 
you know, and it's got to work so well. It's got to work so quickly that you want to tell everyone that you know, and it's, it's rel it's, I mean, essentially free, right? This knowledge is free. Like you don't have to pay for anything to get it because it's, it's the whole planet, right? This is the human body. It's just something that everyone needs. It, it, it's almost like you're entitled to this information, right? I, I'm like putting together this like logical way for you to understand it with beautiful music and like a nice voice and good audio quality, but and bad jokes and terrible dad jokes, not on the recordings at least, but live events, you'll get the terrible dad jokes. So yeah, it's just really important that we all have access to this system and this way of thinking and being because, you know, whether it's a bad business model or not, I'm sure it's perfect. Yeah. Who is... Who is Future Skip becoming? Like you said before, you know, thank you, Younger Skip, for a decision you made <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. It's a very you statement to thank your younger self. Who's the future you becoming today? Probably more vulnerable, probably more selfless, probably more giving, probably more generous. Probably even sillier, probably more playful. More bad jokes. Yeah, yeah. The, the jokes are actually going to get worse over <laughs> yeah. time. Just more like cringe, like ooh. Um, I don't know, but I, you know, I do, I do talk with him sometimes, right? Like I ask him questions. I ask like old man Skip is what I call him, yeah. and I, I'm constantly like in communion with him. You know, most nights I would say right before bed, I'm like. You know, just show me, like, what do I need to know now? And, and and this gets crazy sometimes. Like, four days ago, I had dreams all night where there was all these different, like, mentors that I don't really know. Maybe Old Man Skip was one of them that were walking me around the festival that's coming up, just showing me how to fix things and showing me how to run things, like, for hours and hours while I slept. I mean, I don't know what else tells you that you're on the right path than... You're having dreams about the future thing that you're being called to do that makes no sense to do. Like logically, makes very little sense to do this festival that's coming up, but it feels so right and it feels so good and it's happening really easily too. Like all the pieces are coming together really effortlessly and that's how you know. That's that's part of how you know that you're you're doing the right thing. And sometimes to be fair, things happen really effortlessly and then they get destroyed. And then it's like a horrific experience, right? But similar to like the fear and similar to the sadness. And like you've been saying, or like with the handstand analogy, just because it's not easy at all times, it, it doesn't make it not right, right? So it's like, even though it can be really challenging and horrific and, and sad, and like I've got quite a few of those stories, they're, they're beautiful too. So like the handstands being so hard for me is a beautiful thing beautiful thing and not everything is that hard and not everything is some things are much harder actually but old man skip is going to be pretty epic i think i think he's going to wear crazy outfits too i have no doubt yeah and hopefully hopefully he's got like a private electric jet or something super cool like photons or i don't Te know teleporting yeah i mean future i don't know i've kind of i got i'm like an i'm like i'm gonna be an old man right i want a jet even if teleportation is a thing i think i'm gonna want a jet just because that's what we grew up dreaming about i have zero desire for that mm. just teleport me there i mean i would probably use the teleportation thing too but i would also like a jet even if it's like a toy like a museum thing just to look at 
one of my final questions for you is what is your your greatest challenge right now yeah and, and, and as broad as that is you know what what is the challenge that perhaps you come back to or you relearn I think the greatest challenge that I'm facing now is the fear thing. I'm really, you know, this year I have a, a notification in my calendar every day at noon that just says courage. And so, of course, if I'm calling on courage, I'm also calling on fear, right? It's the, they're the same thing, fear and courage. They go, you know, hand in hand. And so every day I make an effort to look at my fear and to choose courage. And I don't always succeed, right? Sometimes, you know, fear does win that day. And that's perfectly okay. I'm a poet and didn't know it. There's your, there's your first dad joke of this so, whole episode. So happy with that, aren't you? <laughs> it's so good. I was going to, you winked before when you did something. <laughs> like, did I? You're going to catch it on the recording. Oh, I, I'm, I'm like. Yeah. So fear. Yeah. I think fear is my biggest challenge. I think I'm stepping into a lot of big things with the show growing the way it's been growing at like 1.6 million views as of this recording or so might be more by now. And then the festival getting announced tomorrow. Mm. First, first time. That's exciting. Yeah. So that'll be, they'll hear this two days after it's launched. Oh, and then the special pricing will be gone, but there'll be, there'll be, there'll still be special there. pricing, right? When they if, if you're this... listening to this live, well, not live, but <laughs> if you listen to it the day it comes out, if you listen to this on release day, go buy a ticket now. Yeah, for sure. The price goes up soon. Yep. And then, yeah, the dojo and everything that's happening with that, and to see we're almost done with the first cohort and all the epic things that have been happening with that. So, you know, just even though I've seen it so many times, to promise to people that they will get crazy results is still really scary even though i've seen it a thousand times it's still really scary we've also got a live event tomorrow so you know just constant fear women too i'm in constant fear all the time we could do a whole episode around that yeah maybe we should another yeah. time i have a follow-up to the the fear it feels like this this is a leap for you this year the the brand the the show a lot of the time, even early on in your journey, it was helping other people. It was helping them sell or helping them get exposure. Now there's a lot of focus on you. It feels like this is the the letting the world see skip. How are you stepping into that? How are you feeling about that? What's led to that change? Luckily, I don't think about that much. Because if I did... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> If I did think about that a lot, I probably wouldn't be doing it. But but it's know? very different to where you were three years ago. Super different. Yeah. You know. I, I just wanted the experience, like we talked about earlier, is like, I want to give massive value and I want to get lots of good experiences. And now I've had lots of great experiences and I'm still really focused on giving, even within the businesses themselves, like within the podcast, like every guest that comes on, I'm, I'm constantly talking about how it's going to serve them. Yeah. And it's really about them. It's really about the guests and the listeners. And it's so little about me. Like, I, I don't monetize this in any way. There's... Other than cheap plugs for the festival. Go buy a ticket. Yeah, go buy a ticket for the festival, for sure. If you can make it to Austin November 19th. Or just fly. Or the VIP ticket, especially. Sweet dinner, exclusive swag, front yeah. row, all the stuff. You and I would totally buy a VIP ticket. Intimacy with Skip. Uh, that's sketch. So, um, 
Yeah, a lot of it is, and then Dojo, right? It's all focused on like the customer. It's all focused on that experience. And I think that's how I'm able to do it. Maybe there's something for me to look at there in the future is like, if it were to be, if my perspective were more focused on myself, would that be different? But, you know, I'll share something that Steve Young did that maybe a lot of people would benefit from with me. And he said, when Wondersoul became a thing, which was about May this year, when that name really showed up and I, I switched everything over almost immediately, because again, it was a, a deep knowing, like as soon as that name came up, my whole body went <gasps> like, oh, this is a, this is a, you know, a 50 year, 100 year, like, I don't know, commitment to this caretaking of this brand. And it was such a full body, even beyond my body. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. A really deep experience emotionally and on a soul level for me. Things just started showing up constantly where it was like so many people wanted to help and contribute in epic ways. And Steve sat me down at one point, Steve Young. He's been on the show two episodes. And he said, you know, Skip, and he was saying it because he recognizes it himself and anything you recognize in another person is something you see in yourself, right? Even if it's bad stuff. Especially if it's bad stuff. Especially. <laughs> and he said, you know, what would it look like if you were to allow things that were positive for you as much as you allow things for Wonder Soul? Nice. And it just like, as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, wow that's uh that's a lot to hear steve i'm gonna pretend i didn't hear that for like a good few minutes here and just kind of slowly let that sink in because he said it so succinctly <laughs> and him and i got home he was staying with me at that time and we like laid down and we turned on a track and just did like an allowing exercise of like okay what's the energy for me around and anyone can do this at home for something like your children like especially if you have children you want the best for them absolutely the best for them and you will ask for help you will go out you will find ways to get them whatever you think that they need right so the question is for your business maybe how could you allow what's the energy of the allowing for your business the allowing for your children the allowing for the people that you care for what does that feel like and then when you turn that back on yourself and you say what's the level of allowing i have for myself what's the difference in that energy and could you allow the highest level of allowing you can find in your life to also come into the level of allowing for yourself? And I have this process I call surrender, allow, enjoy. And that's the three-step process. You'll have something that has resistance. So for me yesterday, it was the stuckness. And so I just surrendered to the stuckness. And then I allowed it. I was like, oh, okay, there's fear there. Lots of fear right now. And even shame and frustration around like, am I going to be able to do all of this, right? I even called a friend and I was like, please tell me I'm not crazy. Please tell me this is all going to work out and this is going to be fine and I can do this, right? We can do this. And then finally, enjoy the fear. Enjoy the shame. Enjoy the fact that you're human and that you have these very human traits and experiences, knowing that every time you've ever done something great, it started with fear and shame and guilt and like, ugh. And maybe anger too, and then moved into joy and enlightenment and love and all the all the things that we want to experience. But you know, sometimes we can allow ourselves to go the other way, knowing that it's also beautiful. Okay, so when people want to stalk you and find out more about you, here, how should they do that? Here's a good way to do that. Okay, Wondersoul.com. Yeah, yeah. Skip Kelly Films on Instagram. Yeah, uh, gotta buy that Skip Kelly handle. They should buy some tickets to the festival and. 
yeah, tell us tell us more about the festival. If this is going out next week, tickets have just been released. Yeah, the festival is going to be incredible. I mean, basically, it was another gift from God, if you will, where I said, okay, we've been doing these dojo live classes, and it's super transformational for people. And they're, you know, hour and a half, two hour classes, and lots of jokes, lots of playfulness, lots of community building. And just like me, in that phase, 2015, 2016, 2017, I was super lonely, had a girlfriend, had a couple friends, no one really got it. I want everyone to have the experience that I have now with incredible peer groups, or at least the opportunity to have incredible peer groups. And in addition to that, I went to a lot of events where it's really awkward to talk to people. And so my solution for that is to be so awkward on stage that you feel less awkward. And so you're all laughing at me. Therefore, you have something in common. Therefore, you might get along with the person next to you better than you might have had I otherwise been really smooth or suave on stage. I've heard you're going to twerk as well on stage. Oh, everyone's going to twerk. No, I've heard especially you on I stage. I mean, definitely I'm going to twerk on stage, but everyone will twerk, or at least try to. So the festival is saying, like, can we bring that sense of community? Can I make it so easy for you to make friends? And can we just have four super transformational experiences in one day at a minimum? followed up by an epic music concert slash festival experience for the last hour. And I think music is a huge way to experience like deep, deep healing and beautiful emotions. And, you know, the number one thing I think anyone could take away from any, like if I got hit by a bus in two hours, it's like allow yourself to experience positive emotions for at least two minutes a day. Like just that, just to sit there whether it's listening to music or something like some days we get really busy and wrapped up in our lives, but like, can I just feel like joy for two minutes? Can I practice the muscle of calling on that feeling throughout the entirety of my body? When's the last time you tried doing something like that? Personally? Yes. Like joy? I think last night. Awesome. Yeah. I called you. I told you what my last evening's plan was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was tons of fun. Yeah. When is it? Uh, November 19th, 18th for the VIPs, 19th for the full day festival. So if people don't live in Austin or the surrounding areas, they should fly in on the 18th. They should go to the VIP dinner. What is the VIP dinner? I would even fly in on the 17th because Austin is a pretty incredible city. And we're going to, we're going to be putting out some information about like my favorite food places, my favorite hangout spots, Barton. Three of them, like three favorite food spots that you go to daily. 20, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, coffee shops, tea shops, like there's just a lot of cool stuff to experience in Austin. So I would make a whole weekend out of it. Also knowing that we'll probably have like some sort of um, a mixer even on the Thursday, uh, which would be the 17th, I believe. And then on that Sunday, you're going to have made so many friends, they're going to want to hang out. So I would would plan to leave Sunday night or Monday morning and see if you could show up on like Wednesday or Thursday and really make a whole weekend experience out of it, knowing that you're going to be super moved, be prepared for transformation. You know, you don't even, normally I'd say like sleep well, but I don't think you have to. I think it's a lot of recovery based stuff. And when you're a little tired, you're a little bit more in that Delta Theta brainwave state. So you can kind of allow yourself to be drifting in and out of consciousness during the day, which could be a beautiful experience as well. So, you know, be ready for maximum fun and maximum friendship. Especially if you get a VIP ticket. I mean, the VIP ticket, definitely. Front row, VIP dinner, time with the speakers. Really epic mastermind. I know, oh, I know what you have planned for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super epic mastermind. Uh, great food, of course. And Austin's such a food city that we're going to have a really cool meal experience. 
And yeah, the mastermind is just going to be wonderful with a bunch of other epic people. I mean, anyone who pays for a VIP ticket is probably a pretty cool person. So a lot of, lot of, yeah, good value there. I love it, man. And swag. And swag. And lots of swag by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. Um, any final things? I'm kind of wrapping up your show here. Um, anything we no, missed? No. Anything you want to re-record? That was beautiful. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Boom. Hope you loved that episode. It was a little awkward for me during it to actually be interviewed, but if you loved it, please rate and review the show on whatever platform you are listening to or watching to it on. Helps other people find the show and lets me know what you love so I can do even more of it.